You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I went to the first game of the five-game streak on Friday night with my son Dominic. I went to the last game of the five-game streak on Tuesday night with my father, and we got there really, really late. Like The thing was, he got tickets at the last minute because they're part of the season ticket plan that we share with my sister, and you know we all kind of split up the tickets, and all of a sudden she couldn't go, and I'm like, I can't get out of what I'm doing. We can't leave till 6.30 in the, in the afternoon. So it was like park and get in there and miss like a couple pitches, but we got there by the time the Sox were batting in the bottom of the first inning. So it was like a rush to get into the ballpark. I actually got there roughly around the same time, but that's because I was uh, I was at Cork and Kerry having dinner and, and having a few drinks with the guys that I was with. So we just took our time. I wish I could have been there with you over at the Cork because I'll, I'll tell you this. It was one of the rare occasions where I ordered food inside of the ballpark. I don't do that as much anymore, right? I go and I pre-party at Cork and Carry, and I get the food because the food's good. I'm not waiting forever in a line. I don't have to search all over the ballpark for it. There's options on certain levels that aren't available on other levels. It's been a mess. Like, you couldn't even leave the 300 level where we have our tickets at because we're, you know, elitist up there. Yes, but you, are. <laughs> you are. You are among the privileged. It few. used to be privileged. They used to have, like, carving stations and all this cool stuff up there. There's, like, nothing up there. Like, the, the, the special of the homestand was hash browns with cheese on it. I was like, well, that's really creative. I mean, like, not not even something with it, like hash browns or cheese on it, but here's, you know, here's a special cheeseburger with a fried egg or something like that, you know, something really, like, you know, kind of this old breakfast motif. No, it's just, here's some hash browns with some cheese on them. You got to go up to the 500 level to get a beer. It was cheese and chili. Essentially, what they did is they took when you get the nacho supremes and they just put hash browns in there instead of chips, and they they oh, called God, that a special. Come on. Yeah, it was brutal. That's why I don't eat a lot in the stadium anymore, right? I mean, it's difficult right, to yeah. figure out. Like they could show all this stuff, like they'll have a food day or they'll do some kind of promotion, but then you got to go search for the thing. Half the time, Where's it's not the even around. Where's wrapped brat? I've I've still never had one, right? I mean, I've seen pretty pictures. But I, I've never actually had one. But anyway, things have changed, though, for the 300-level people. They sent out a, a survey recently to the season ticket holders who must have destroyed them on the fact that they haven't been allowed to go to any other level except that one, even though they're paying for a, a high-end ticket, because that all changed for this homestand. Like, the ticket agent called Dad and was like, or sent him an email, like, that rule has been changed back to, to the way it used to be. You can go anywhere you want to in the park. So now your privileges are slowly coming back. Next, it'll be the carving stations. Then it will be, you know, the, well, I I can't talk about some of the other things that happened there because it's a family show, but. (laughs) Well, it gets a little wild. Anyway, here, here's the thing. Uh, I ordered through the app. I've I've never done that in a stadium. If I have, I forget because I may have had way too many beers. And, And I ordered on the app. And I got the Nashville hot chicken sandwich. It's the one thing that's up on that level that I don't think you can get anywhere else. And somebody will probably immediately say, no, you can get it here on the 100 level and you can get it up here on the 500 level because I haven't found very much special on the 300 level in the last couple of years. But I order this thing through the app and we're sitting in an aisle. Like we're the two seats on the end in the second row. And the person shows up with the food in the bag because they bring it from a, you know, in a bag. Like you order, you use your credit card and they bring it in a bag. 
They come to the other side of the section. They walk through the door to the other side of the section. Now, it's on there what seat I am. They're standing down by seat one, and I'm down in seat 15. And the game's going on, and the person's waving to me, and I'm like, yeah, come around over here. There's like a door right here, right, that she could have walked through. And instead, she decides she's going to pass it through the whole crowd. And everybody's laughing what? in the section. come on. People are laughing. Like, the entire section's laughing. Like, well, this is absurd. Are we really passing this all the way down to this guy? I mean, Sox fans are brutal. They, they, when they see something absurd, we're Southsiders. Southsiders talk crap. This is what's going on now. Right. Are we really passing this down to this guy? So I get it down there. The box inside of it's open. So the hot sauce is poured into the brown bag and is leaking immediately onto my lap, which means everybody in the section got hot sauce on them because of the way that this because was she so- wouldn't she wouldn't walk to the other side. No, it dripped on everybody. Like the entire section just got sprinkled with hot sauce when it was handed out. And again, this is why me ordering food in there is a rarity these days. I mean, the pictures are pretty. They do a great job on social media, but there's a reason why I go other places. Before we jump into this show, I want to remind you that it is sponsored proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions for Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation and Crack Repair, some pumps, gutter cleaning, uh, anything to keep water out of your basement, protect your foundation, protect your home. Give them a call. Mention Socks in the Basement. You get money off. 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. So they start off the series winning two games excitingly. It was a very close game. You might not have been happy with everything, but game three against the Astros, very close. You swept the Tigers ahead of time. You've got all this momentum, and we end up with a split. Brutal, because in the end, you got to start winning these big games. Like, it's great to win game one and two, right? But uh, splitting this thing in the end, heading into Cleveland, I need two out of three against the Guardians now after this. You almost need to sweep the Guardians, to, to be honest with you, because it, it not only did it halt momentum getting the split in terms of just winning games, but you were also on a steady climb up in the standings, too. And I know we've we've kind of made fun of the, the idea of watching the standings, given how this team has performed. But to to sit there and say that we're, you know, ah, we're, we're, we're going to touch it because after that second game, after the Cease Verlander game, oh, you got your one back. Right. And the Tigers are doing you a huge solid by taking care of the guardians for the first, you know, two of the first three games of that series and to come out with a split. Yeah, it, it's bad. And and you can take solace, for example, in the Framber Valdez game that that guy's a really good pitcher and he did, he did exactly what he was supposed to do for the Astros and they still had opportunities to win it late. And sometimes you're just not going to come through and that's okay. But yeah, it, to, to have the split was a huge disappointment because they didn't buy themselves the time or the ability to have that kind of a cushion to do a split against a, a team like the Astros at this point of the season by whooping up on the easier parts of their their schedule earlier on. And it, it it's getting late, and so you're right. I mean, at this point, you got to win. You just got to win, 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 win. And yes, you're not going to win them all, but you really have to make a concerted effort to try and take every game possible that you can get your hands on. Remember during the pandemic shortened season in 2020, having to explain to fans how much more the games mattered because there were only 60 games to the season. And then in 2021, having to remind people, nope, we're back to 162. Relax after you get a loss, right? Like it's a long, long season. But at this point, 
we're back in that mentality, like that shortened season. You're a couple games back, and you only have so much time. And to leapfrog from third to first in this amount of time that's left, every single series and every single game counts. Well, what was the thing that Hawk used to say? That you're going to go 60 and 60, but tell me what you did with the other 40? Well, the White Sox basically went 60 and 60 to start the season. So now tell me what you're going to do with the last 40. (laughs) Man, it's a good point. We mentioned Cork and Kerry at the park. Ed was there on Tuesday. I was there on Friday. You folks should be there every time you head to a ball game. I'll be honest with you. Getting over to 33rd in Princeton before the game is great. You can bring the whole family over there. You can get an award-winning burger. There's great service. There's great beer. Uh, there's all kinds of options for you along that big, beautiful bar. Everything from the extensive spirit and wine menu to the familiar favorites on the tap and some craft brews. It's all there at Cork and Carry at the park. It's a Southside tradition. But the other thing is, after the game, what a great place to hang while they're trying to get that mess out of the parking lot because that's a mess. It's, right. it's been a, it's been a yeah. mess all year. They're, they're trying very hard. My my dad was with me uh, the other night, and he points out uh, he used to be in charge of traffic for the city of Chicago. He was a commander in, in the police department for 34 years. Towards the end, he did special events and dealing with the parades and everything else like that when they used to be run really, really well. And when the police department not the civilian organization, was running the traffic around the ballpark. And right away, he thought there was an improvement, but he's also like, man, this is still a mess. Let's go over to Cork. Well, literally, you texted me at the end of that game and said, head over to the Cork post game because we were sitting in separate sections. And if not for the fact that one of the guys I'm with works at, starts work at three in the morning, He's like, I need to start making my way back to the suburbs to go to bed because I need to have some sleep. If it, if it wasn't for that, I was I was thinking, I was like, no, this is perfect. Because what we ended up doing is we ended up sitting in our car in the parking lot for so long that I was like, I probably could have just said, hey, guys, I'm going to go over to Cork and hang out with Chris for a beer. I'll find <laughs> you in the line and get back in the car and head back to the burbs with you. Right, exactly. It brings a new definition to designated driver. You got to sit here in the line. The rest of us are going over to Cork for a beer or two while they try to get everybody out of this place. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's excellent. It's it's good food. It's a great price, not only on the food, but on the beers. Get on out there. They're your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties at the corner of 33rd and Princeton. See more about them at CorkandCarry.com. Elvis Andrus now joins the White Sox. Uh, What basically happened here is that Oakland got rid of him. He cleared waivers. The Sox signed him to a deal. After they signed him, the first tweet that I put out about it it sums it up perfectly. When you don't have anything in your minor league system to be able to account for when a guy goes down like Tim Anderson, you need to have a player fall to you. And then you have to have the wherewithal to actually go out and get them. The Sox did a good job getting him, but in reality, all you're doing is getting a veteran. What a stroke of luck. Oh, I know. In reality, all you're getting is a veteran player who can play the position of shortstop at a triple A or replacement level 
and you're excited about it because it's better than Larry Garcia and any of the other options that you have. I mean, Garcia's on the IL, and if Andrews comes in and does anything, just leave him there <laughs> as long as you possibly can because you're, you're afraid to DFA him. Just, just kind of let him hang there for a while. Well, and I don't, I don't know that I've read specifically what's wrong with Larry, but I did notice. It's his back. Yeah, I, I did notice that when he was swinging the bat in, in one of the first two Astro games, and I, I, I want to say it was the first one, that he would crumple at the end of a swing and I'm like okay that's pretty serious and then when he was brought in uh, the next game when uh when they subbed out Andrew Vaughn when Gavin Sheets had the big pinch hit against Verlander you know that one of the guys I was with turned to me is like well why why did they take Vaughn out and they said well okay so Sheets pinch hit for Sosa Larry's gonna play short but they're they're all worried he's gonna hit I'm like no nah, he's not gonna hit because Vaughn made the last out, and I understood for once, I understood what Tony was doing because it made sense. It was like, all right, this guy's clearly, because you watched him even take warm-ups. He wasn't moving. He was standing perfectly still. I'm like, God, if they hit anything towards him right now, the if the Astros have any ability to turn on a ground ball, they are just going to be able to single them to death until they bring, you know, I don't know what, what you would do in that situation, but... Uh, if you didn't pull Vaughn out and you had him stand it short... Right. I thought they were going to have him play second. Right. Or if you sent Luis Robert out there, who supposedly was available in case you needed him, and then all of a sudden wasn't even available the next day, the enigma that is the Luis Robert injuries and pretty much any injury on this team. You know, maybe maybe Luis Robert is magical, and he's actually been, been soaking up some of the hurt from other players, <laughs> like mystically taking in their injuries, but... He finally he finally built up enough to stick it to Larry Garcia's back and do us all a favor. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard you say. That's that's ridiculous. Listen, that's it, the craziest thing you've ever heard me say. Holy yeah, cow. it might it might be one of the crazier ones. OK, it's on the list. Look, it was a it was a calculated gamble to go out and have sheets hit at that moment for Sosa. It worked out very well. And then to make the move that you make by putting sheets out in right field I, it might actually improve your defense slightly. I think Vaughn's a better left fielder and Sheets is a better right fielder between the two of them. I really do. I, I agree with you on right. that one. But the other thing was in that game, it put Garcia the furthest away from grabbing a bat of any player in the lineup because Vaughn was the last out of the inning. So it was going to, everybody was going to get a bat before Garcia got up there and couldn't swing. It was really, it was, it was National League, old school National League, Tony La Russa making a double switch, right? Yeah. Putting the pitcher in for the last guy to make an out so that he's the furthest away from, from hitting. So you maximize the number of innings you can get out of your reliever. Well, in this case, he's maximizing the number of innings he could get out of a shortstop who might actually have been stationary the entire time he was on the field. So it, it worked out. I, I, that was actually one of two smart moves that was made in that game that you're sitting there going like, Hey, smart baseball exists. The other one. And I didn't, I didn't catch it until after the fact was the Dylan cease intentional balk because there was a Houston fan standing up in front of me. So I didn't see it. I saw the ball trickle off the mound and I went, the hell did cease just drop the ball. And I That's didn't, what I thought I didn't put it together until I, until I read that uh, other teams have done this too, where when Alex Bregman is on second base, they know he can steal signs. Like he's one of the best in the business at doing it. So they just balked and stuck him over at third because at least he's not stealing the sign and you got a better chance of the hitter getting out, especially in a two-out situation like they were. Okay, so Elvis Andrus, who we mentioned, is is getting to the White Sox for the Cleveland series, and I would expect to see him play short pretty much every night. And I think Lennon Sosa will probably be the guy that goes down, and Romy Gonzalez will... I'm thinking will, so, yeah. Yeah, he'll stay up. But here's the thing with him. Before you get super excited, 
One, it's a great move. It's it's the best possible move at this moment for the Sox to get. But how lucky. You need to also understand we're talking about a guy who's got an OPS plus of 97, an OPS of 673, who's a 1.2 war, whose defense has fallen off a little bit over the years. He does give up more runs than he saves when you look at his saber metrics and you you look at these things that show you how much value he has defensively. He's on the decline at the end of his career. There's a reason the team that had him let him go. So he's perfect for the Sox right now because you don't have any option because your minor league system is so shallow and you really don't have guys who can just be plugged in like other teams have. So you're lucky to be able to get him. But in the end, he's a bomb of the order guy who you're hoping can be sufficient until Anderson returns and you hope that it will hurt you less. And so this team can get back in this thing, take the lead, win the division, get to the playoffs, and then TA gets back. That's what he is. He is the best possible option because he's better at the plate and defensively than Garcia. And who's injured anyway, and he's going to be better at the plate than Gonzalez and Lennon Sosa at this moment. And he kills lefties, not so good against righties, so he's going to frustrate you a little bit there. But he's also, you know, sometimes too, you get this thing where you get those veterans who are on the decline, and they they land late in the season on a contender, and and we can still call the White Sox a contender. They land on a team like this, and they they kind of rediscover that fountain of youth, right? And they they pick up their game to a point it hasn't they haven't seen in a few years and they sort of this is their last ride into the sunset and they realize that this is their last day in the sun so hopefully something like that happens too right where all of a sudden Elvis Andrus becomes the guy that was the all-star for the Rangers and not the guy that's been hitting under the Mendoza line for the Rangers and then sort of hopelessly aggressively mediocre for the A's that's a possibility too, but that's like the best, best case scenario. But I mean, what if, if you're Rick Hahn, do you just call over to Oakland and, and ask them what they want to drink and just start sending over cases, thanking <laughs> them for getting rid of the guy? Yeah, I think it's like back in the uh, Black Sheep Squadron. If you ever sat around and watched that in the morning on Channel 50 here in Chicago. Oh, who doesn't love themselves some Pappy Boyington? Yeah, Pappy Boyington sends over a case of scotch when something gets done. Uh, Rick Hahn might have to do that with Oakland. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So, Mismatch Socks uh, just got a, a new post on SocksOn35th.com, the article that you right and it shows up over there very soon actually going to be showing up as well over at socks in the basement so you can get it at socks in the basement.com and also at socks on 35th.com i'm uh, everywhere i'm everywhere there is a beautiful paragraph here in it that i i kind of want to 
I want to give to people the preview if they want to go check out the article. But it feels like this this article that just came out may have been written like a week ago because you're very angry at the team and it doesn't seem like you actually watched them win five in a row. I wrote it before the win streak and I, and I think it got, uh, I, well, I don't know. It, it, it made more sense before they rattled off five in a row. So you wrote it a week ago. It just got lost in the shuffle over there. Something like that, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, the the the, uh, the article was was funny. It was you talking about being angry at White Sox management and being unable to figure out who to be the angriest with. And I, I think this is great where you talk about the, and I'm going to quote it, a loin-warming fury that is building up to frothy, rabid wrath from the fans currently, and it has multiple targets. But pitchforks and torches for multiple targets aren't efficient. Imagine if the villagers went to Castle Frankenstein and were looking for Baron Von Doctor, the monster, Igor, a handful of the castle staff, the undertaker who originally buried the corpses, the corpses' families, and Larry Garcia. And once they found out that not everyone was at the castle and that Larry was batting third again, there would be infighting among the angry mob as to who to go after. Larry would end up getting extended for two more years and the rest of the targets would get away scot-free. That's poetry. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> that's exactly what happened. You get so mad at this team. People are arguing over whose fault it is. When in reality, it should be a list at the end of the season. These people all cause trouble. Get rid of all of them. Like that's really what has to happen on this team. I think I just want to unite Sox fans around who's first. that music in the background means michael suero from SoxOn35th.com has your corn in the basement take it away michael thank you so much chris the guy i want to talk about today has been shooting up some white Sox top 30 prospect list he just missed the cut on my top 30 and MLB Pipeline just recently released theirs, and he ranks 22nd on their list, Ryan Burroughs. He is an 18-year-old shortstop currently playing in the Dominican Summer League. I mean, we got a pretty good haul most recent international signing period. We signed Colas for 2.7 mil. We signed Eric Fernandez for 1 mil. Uh, Lloyd Chapali, I think, signed for about half a mil. We got this kid for $75,000 signing bonus. He's way exceeded expectations this season. His OPS has dipped a little bit. It's now about 760, but he was on a tear for a while. Come back down to, uh, to earth, but he's still had a fantastic season. His approach at the plate has been extremely advanced for his age. He's only striking out 18%, walking 12%. He's a guy that apparently even outside scouts really like. He's a guy that I fully expect to shoot up the rankings. I don't know, maybe this is uh, finally Rick Hahn's makeup for trading Fernando Tatis. I don't want to put expectations that high up, but he's a, he's a young shortstop that's on the rise, that's for sure. Michael Suero, Sox on 35th, with your corn in the basement. Every guest that appears here on Sox in the Basement, including... When we do Corn in the Basement, is all brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, explore. See their website for all the latest info. September 24th on there, they have the Forge and Oktoberfest. Socks in the Basement will actually be out there at that event. Come by and see us. We're giving away cash money. See all about it at lamontdowntown.com. Michael, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks just for having me. I read an article that wasn't on SoxOn35th.com that was really good. 
Uh, I want where was it at? Over at the Athletic. That's right. John Greenberg wrote it, and he was talking about this narrative now that the White Sox had a team meeting, and that's what caused the spark. It wasn't Johnny Cueto, right? In fact, the meeting, according to Tony LaRusso, was not called by Johnny Cueto or called because of Johnny Cueto. Tony called it. And then he got together about 10 leaders on the team. And that's where this is all stemming from. And I laugh at that when I read it, right? I mean, it's a great article. And I understand that you're you're reporting what they're telling you. But doesn't it always seem like we're trying to say, no, 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 there's no way the players have taken control of their own destinies here. There's no way that anybody here has a hand in the success. It's definitely Tony whose hand is in the success. You can see all of his failures, but there's constantly like a PR push to try to tell you, no, 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 it wasn't Johnny Cueto saying what he said, even though Andrew Vaughn specifically referenced that it was Johnny Cueto. And so did, so did Lucas Giolito, in fact. I think a couple of guys actually referenced Johnny Cueto's statement as being something that they all took really, you know, they really took it to heart. Right. And and then it was Johnny Cueto walking out of the dugout on Friday night as that thing kicked off that that winning streak with Kopech going, you know, no hitting them for six innings, standing out there in the bullpen and walking in with them. So I, I don't understand the need to try to say, oh, no, no, it wasn't the fan who told Tony what to do. Although I, as, as ridiculous as it sounds, there's part of me that really believes the fan told Tony to go send Engel in. For Jimenez, I, I really, I keep watching the video and I keep laughing. Like, I believe it. I believe, I believe it's possible. I believe it too. Cause you you and I were both at the game on Tuesday night when Engel came in to run for Jimenez <laughs> and everybody cheered. Cause they're it like, was, it was so funny. Matter. It was you know? so funny. The fans went nuts the next night when Engel comes in to run again for Jimenez in that comeback. The fans go nuts. It was the reaction was palpable that they had all seen that video of the fan telling Tony to to make a move the night before and then Tony making the move. But the the PR push is always no, no, no. You guys are all stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Tony's doing all these things. I don't buy it, man. Come on. Tony might have gotten Tony literally might. First of all, if it's something like 10 leaders on the team, can I just say for when, when half of your roster is considered team leaders, maybe pare that down to an actual group of leaders because. <laughs> hey, am I in the meeting? Yeah, yeah, you're a leader. Get in there. Come on. Come on. So, yeah, who are the guys that are, are left out of the meeting right now? Is it basically like Romy and Lennon Sosa sitting at their lockers going, hey, is anybody here? Oh, you, you know, know Lurie's in but, there. You know Lurie's a team leader if Tony called it. He's in there. Well, 100%. He's Lurie's actually sitting three right the there. Leaders. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but. It, 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 Tony might have actually gotten some of the some of the key players together. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop calling him leaders. He might have gotten some of his key players together. Okay, his starting nine. He might have gotten his starting nine together, and you know, kind of sat there and went. I heard what Johnny said, or I didn't hear what Johnny said, but people told me that Johnny said something that I didn't hear what he said. How do you guys feel about it? You know, do you, do you think we got a problem here? You know, giving Tony the benefit of the doubt, he might have actually sat there and said, "Hey, am I missing something?" Okay. Is, 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 is Johnny right? Hold on. Was I napping? Did I miss something? Was <laughs> Yeah, was I napping? Was I caught napping again? But I, I think I think what probably more likely happened was is that Tony called a meeting and the players all stood there and he all said, you know, we got to if we've got any fire on this team, we got to start showing it. And, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we got to play. We got to play with that intensity and we got to come out with that fire and, uh, and do a good job and. Then somebody asked him where his pants were, and he ran back in the office to go find him because he forgot him. <laughs> yeah, well, well you know what? You know what? Honestly, that's how I imagine all of these meetings. Look, that might have been intentional because I got to tell you, you know, <laughs> if I'm running a meeting in a baseball clubhouse, 
pants aren't really all that comfortable. I, I don't think I'm going to bother with them. I mean, I don't yeah. think I'd be like Donald ducking it fully there, <laughs> but you know, good pair of sliding shorts or something like that. I, I'd be okay with that. I imagine all team meetings in a baseball clubhouse to be pantsless. You know, not, not to invoke the Cubs, but I, from what I understand, they had a huge team meeting in 2016 when they won the world series that involved Anthony Rizzo butt naked. So yeah, that, maybe well, it works. That's how you know you're in a baseball clubhouse. Dylan Cease's quote though, this in the article is, Brings it all back, right? Like you can read the whole article, and it's a well-written article in the Athletic uh, by John Greenberg, and and tells this story that I think is a little bit of a PR spin. But I I understand he's not the person that's making the spin. He's listening to the story and reporting upon it. But he's just reporting what's right. being but, given. But him. Yeah. Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease's quote that Johnny's a legend, and I think anytime we can make Johnny happy, it's a good thing. First of all, Johnny Cueto is your ace on this team. Dylan Cease one day could be incredibly special. But when you go up against a guy like Justin Verlander and you see Verlander and how deep he goes and you see what Cease did, he's getting there. That's better than last year in the postseason, but he's an unfinished product for as good as he's been all year long. There's another level to get to. Johnny Cueto's that level right now. Okay, he's my guy standing on the mound game one in the playoff series, and I'll argue with anybody against that. And it's nice to see a guy like Dylan kind of sees that as well. Well, that's, but here's, here's the beautiful thing about Johnny Cueto. And again, when we were talking about Johnny Cueto way early on in the season, before he was even on the White Sox, one of the things you love about him, if you're a fan, as you've watched him, is coming to understand that the dude just, he, he understands his craft, okay? He no longer has the quote-unquote electric stuff. He is not the guy that goes out there and is just like, wow, look at how this guy throws, look what he can do. He's out there, He's goofing around with his mechanics. He's, you know, and intentionally so. He's not making it up as he goes along. You know, I, I, I was listening to the game Monday night while he was pitching. They were talking about the fact that he, he doesn't ad-lib the moves. He practices them, but he he really, you know, he, he goes out there and he, he does things to mess with hitters' timing. He throws different pitches. He moves the ball around. He moves, he works in, he works out, he works up, he works down. He changes speeds. All these things that even a guy like Dylan Cease, who's thrown really hard and has a high spin rate and has all this wonderful, wonderful stuff or Michael Kopech, who's got, you know, all the heat in the world and has got the slider that moves like there's no tomorrow and could just blow guys away, especially when he was coming out of the bullpen last year. Watching them watch Cueto, that gives you hope that this team can have sustained success because their young pitchers are realizing that there is more to it than just throw hard then throw a changeup. Throw hard, then throw a slider, because we saw in the Astros series last year, throw hard, then throw a breaking ball, you end up losing in the first round very, very handily. Johnny Cueto's the naked guy in the meeting, isn't he? If I'm Johnny Cueto, I'm the naked guy in the meeting. You're the naked guy in the meeting in your own world. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.